0: Well, it's great to be here, friends. It's, uh, I'm from Southern California, and uh, it's prettier here. Yeah. I'm telling you. I don't, <clears throat> we don't even have a yard. It's crazy. Um, let me pray for us Before we pray, I think this is the main thing that I want to make sure that happens is that whether you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, um, or you're here and you're just trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out, Uh, or maybe you're here and you don't even want to figure it out because you can't stand his followers um, or you don't believe in Jesus. Um, What I pray is that you're just one step closer. That's all. I mean, God can do whatever he wants after that, but that by us looking into his word that we would see that happen. So can we pray together? You mind? Let's pray together. Father again, I pause before I speak to you as a constant reminder that you are God and i 'm not that you 're God and we 're not that I just feel like so often we just jump into just prayer and it really becomes kind of a dic- a dictation list to you of what you should be doing rather than us pulling back and just surrendering to your will, so God, I want to see you speak and do things that we never thought imaginable. God, I want to see you change lives, starting with me, first and foremost. But God, I pray that you would do something today that draws all of us one step closer, whether it's intimacy or knowing you or whatever it is. But God, that we would, we would be changed. So, God, thank you. Uh, speak as only you can. Keep my opinions, my agenda to myself. If I say anything that's not of you, give us spiritual amnesia before we leave. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I feel like if uh, who has a Twitter account? Anybody? Twitter account? It's like seventeen of you. Okay, so that's and it's okay. I mean, some of you guys like it, some of you guys don't. And I have one. I don't know what it's for. I don't understand why we're trying to, to explain our lives in two hundred and sixty characters. Um, or hey, this is my dinner. <laughs> I don't get it. Why do you take a picture of your clam chowder and want to tell the world? I don't know. I don't get that part. But I still don't understand it. But here's the thing. Like, I think if we were to take scripture. Say, what is the message of the Bible? What is the message, the key thing? If you're going to tweet it, what would it be? And I really believe this is it. I think from cover to cover, and I'm hoping that we're all going to see this this morning, that I'm not just trying to, oh, it's just a feel-good message. And No, I think from cover to cover as we go from Genesis all the way to Revelation, I think this is it. If you're going to tweet it, this is it. God with us, that we might be with him. God with us, that we might be with him. Now, if you're sitting there going, is that the main point of the message? Absolutely. Now you can go. You can go to lunch, and you don't have to stick around. <laughs> But I mean, it's like, I really believe that. And so we're going to kind of, to kind of jump around a little bit this morning. The key passage is going to be Genesis 3, Luke chapter 7, and then Revelation 21. Um, but I'm, I'm really praying that what we see is that that's really it. So this is the part that blew my mind. Guys, I'm a recovering legalist. Anybody there with me on that one? You with me? There, maybe some of you guys are still legalists, and so you don't quite understand why everyone's laughing at you. But here's, here's why. Um, I used to have God all figured out. Um, If anything happened outside of my comfort zone, it wasn't God. Um, If you disagreed with me, you were probably going to go to hell. Um, In fact, I was a youth pastor at the time. And if, I mean, I would always challenge kids, are you reading the Bible? How many, are you reading the Bible? How many days this week did you read the Bible? As if we communicate with anybody else like that in the world. Can you imagine, think about it. Can you imagine if I, if I talked to my wife or I communicated with her the way that so many legalists do. It's like, okay, I'm supposed to talk to you for 20 minutes today, God. Or not God, but Kelly. Kelly, I'm supposed to talk to you for 20 minutes. So you go 10, and then I time it. Done! Woo! Thank God. Okay, my turn. I talk for 10. Okay, done. We don't have to talk for another day. And then I go away. Isn't it weird that we, so long as you have your quiet time with God in the morning, you're fine. But that's kind of, so I'd look at students, hey, so how many times, how many days this week did you read? And they'd say, two, and I'd say, why not three? And they'd say, four, and I'd say, why not five? They'd say, hey, seven days. I'd, why not eight? And they're like looking at me going, That doesn't make any sense. I was like, yeah, but God can do anything. I was just kind of that kind of a person, and then God wrecked me with grace. When you realize, when you come to the point where you realize that you're horrible. (laughs) And if you haven't anyone if you haven't anyone tell you, if you haven't had anyone tell you lately you're horrible, let me just invite you into it. You're horrible. And we're sinners, and it's like we sit there and go, God, why would you put up with this? And somebody's sit there and go, no, I'm pretty good. No, guys, we're all jacked up. And if you can't agree with that, then you might still be a legalist. (laughs) But once you get to that point that I don't have to achieve to be loved... I don't have to gain more stuff and do more stuff in order for God to love me. When you look at actually Ephesians chapter 1, it says that before the foundation of the world, you were chosen in him. That means before I could do good or bad. Before God said, let there be light, he said, let them be mine. So for those that have this checklist or this grading scale or grading system where you're looking at everyone else, realize... You're just as horrible. And you are enduringly loved and liked by a God who can't get enough of you. Here's an example. I didn't use this the last service. In fact, I don't know what I'm gonna say at each service. So here we go. How many believe that beyond a shadow of doubt? And don't do like the Halfway Baptist hand raise, okay? <laughs> Because some did that last service. I was like, are they even in this? I don't know. So be charismatic for this question. Okay. How many believe without a shadow of a doubt, God loves you? Okay. Put away. There it is. That. Doesn't it feel good? Now you're halfway back. You're like, I don't like that. Okay. So put it back. How many believe without a shadow of a doubt that God likes you? Oh, this church is solid. Because <laughs> honestly, most of the time, every other time I ask this question, less than 50% of the hands go up. 100% on yes, love. But don't you just feel like God's putting up with you? It's like, oh, that Brian, that's why he has no hair. (laughs) Guys, who do you think created laughter, the concept of enjoyment, the concept of humor? Who do you think created it? Us? Guys, we're we're not that creative. Pretty much we've taken everything that God has ever created that's good and then just jacked it out. You want proof? Okay, Genesis chapter three. Here we go. Everything was great for two chapters. (laughs) So there's some proof. Two Guys, we made it two chapters this far. The rest of this, that's God dealing with our junk. This, God's like, turned out real good. Do you ever wonder if the Trinity thought, is this really the best way to go? Got to rethink this one. Guys, we were good for two chapters. And then here comes this talking snake. And what's crazy is that Eve actually thought, yeah, this seems normal. I'm going to <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to a snake. Guys, I don't know if there's anything more terrifying in my life than a snake. Like, I just don't like those things. It's like, if you can get around like that. With no legs, it's freaky. So all of a sudden, the snake starts talking. It's like, oh, you're not going to die if you eat that. God knows that if you eat of that, you're actually going to be like him. So really what he's tempting with, yes, you could be like God. But here's what he's saying. God's holding out on you. Because he knows if you do this, it will actually be better. And isn't that the same temptation that hits us now? So she came up with three justifications of why it would be okay. It looked good. It made one wise. It was appealing to the eye. I mean, it's like, it's good for food. We do the same thing. We justify why this certain thing we want to do that seems sinful or against God is okay. And so we'll jump into it. And then all of a sudden, there's the greatest realization ever in the history of mankind. Watch. Down in verse 7. After they ate, now watch, she eats. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So who started the mess? this is where the men are like, don't you dare say anything. <laughs> and this is where the women are like, you sure you want to go there? Does mama know you're saying this? She gave birth to you. Why don't you shut your mouth? We'll just leave it at air. Verse seven. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. That's the most awkward realization in the history of the world. <gasps> People think about it before that, run around naked and he was normal. Clothes, didn't matter. No laundry. Right? There you go. Charismatic in the back. Good. Okay. No laundry. But here's it's like, Can you imagine? It's like, well, I don't know if we should. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) What the? And then you start covering up. Like before that didn't matter. And all of a sudden there's this, what happens? There's this shame. And this is how they fix it. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Leaves. Leaves those things dry out, friend. <laughs> this is like the worst fruit of Loom ad I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> and you jump to verse eight and they heard this. Now watch this. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. It's the first time they'd ever hidden from him. See, I don't think this is the first time that God walked in the garden. For when they heard him walking, they knew that it was him. And then what do they do? They ditch. They take off. They hide themselves among the trees. As if God's going, I I could have sworn I made two of them. (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) I never said that. That's good. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Now, here's the part. But the Lord God called to the man... Do you realize that in his justice, he could have just said, it's over. And he could have destroyed them and been completely right doing so. But who initiates this? They're hiding. God initiates. So if you're a follower of Jesus here today, realize you didn't find Jesus because he's never been lost, but he came for you. And then he wooed you. He initiated the relationship so that you could have the faith that he provides so that you could know him. Why? It's not by works, So no one can boast. It's all him. So he did everything necessary. Why? Because he wants us. Isn't that crazy? He doesn't need us, but he wants us. So he starts, he calls out to him, where are you? Verse 10, he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I was afraid. do Not you long for the day, I'm, con- I'm convinced heaven has no insecurities. I not it be great one day to not have to live with any of them? Does anybody here struggle with insecurity? Yep, and you're probably worried if you raised your hand right, huh? Is it too high? Is it too low? I don't know. I'm freaking out. I only make fun of it because I'm the same way. I'm so insecure. He's afraid. Now watch God. Hey, who told you you were naked? Oh, no. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? I used to picture God really mad. That's my legalist days. Now I see a father broken. Even though he knew all this would happen, you realize there's no plan B here. It's not like I started okay, two chapters, plan A out the window, we're going to plan B. No, no, no. It's always been plan A. An eternal God who has lived out all of our tomorrows is not surprised by anything that we do or don't do. Think about it. You would never know the faithfulness of God if you didn't get to a place where you actually needed to see it. We would never know the goodness of God if we didn't didn't understand what it felt like to go through the crisis of life. And I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but how many of us came to Christ because of the crisis? So is that not the most loving thing that God could do is to let us go through the crisis to draw us into relationship with himself? Why? Because he is the greatest good and he gave us the greatest good, even if it hurt in the beginning. There's no plan B, friends. It's always plan A. This is plan A. Like, did you do this? Here's the man. The man said, "The woman (laughs) (laughs) just threw his wife under the bus, called God. (laughs) wasn't me. It was her. She was all naked and stuff. Huh? Not my fault. Now watch. He actually blamed someone else. Did you ever see it? The woman whom you gave to be with me." who's he blame? God. He blames his wife and he blames God. And don't we do the same? We're kind of a culture kind of driven by feelings now, aren't we? Feelings define who we are. At least that's what we think. And we always forget about the fact that feelings fell at the fall. So what I feel is not who I am. In fact, God's commandments are actually in Scripture to fight against those feelings that come against me. So you can say, well, no, this is how I am, or this is how I feel, and that's therefore who I am. And God said, no, no, you are so much bigger than your feelings. I can't be dragged away by that stuff. So when you look at this passage, it's, We do the same thing. It wasn't my fault, it was their fault, and it was your fault because this is how I feel, this is how I am, and this is what I think, and therefore it's you. All the while, followers of Jesus realize the Holy Spirit's been given to us so that we don't have to do those things anymore. Will it be a battle? Yes, just make sure you fight it. We just gotta make sure we fight it. That's it. So he goes on. She gave me fruit in the tree and I ate, verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the devil made me do it his fault. I mean, he's a talking snake. And then what's he do? You ever pictured what, you ever picture what Satan's doing in that moment? Maybe he's just sitting there as he's nodding. Yep. I broke it. And now those who bear the image of God, those created in the image of God. And because Satan hates everything created in the image of God, he's now marred them, or at least he thinks he has, because he actually thinks that he took down God's plan A. There's never been a plan B How good is God at his job When he uses the enemy for his glory There's no tug of war in heaven As if pray harder So Jesus is stronger Read the book of Job When Satan presents himself before God What does God do Oh Job yeah You can do that Just don't go beyond this And he has to obey Guys he's still sovereign So fathers of Jesus We don't have to be afraid of him So he curses the serpent, says, you're going to move around on your stomach, which makes me think, what did you look like before? Like, what were you? To the woman, I'm going to increase your pain in giving birth. That's where the guys are like, that's okay. I'm good. I'm good. And then we're going to, guys, there's, we're going to work the ground. There's going to be all these thorns and thistles for the rest of life. And you think, well, it's over. Do you guys realize that right when the fall happened, the remedy was expressed? Chapter 3, verse 21. If you have Bible Bible, watch. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. He said, guys, that's one of my favorite passages in all the scriptures. One of my favorite verses. And I think, it's one of the, I think it's God's remedy. I think he's screaming from the very beginning, you broke it, but I'm here to fix it. He's like, what are you talking about? He just made him skin, like he made clothes of skin, but who cares? Guys, how do you get skin from an animal? You have to What? kill it. You guys are brilliant. You kill it to get the skin off. It's not like the cow goes, "Mm, you want some of this and just take it off. Here's my leathers. It's not like that. So you kill it, but I'm convinced God made them watch. Why? Because two, well, however many animals there were, that animal, if there was more than one innocent had to die, have its blood shed because two people sinned. And what's it say? And God, what? and clothed them. He covered them. Is that not the gospel? So you realize that in chapter three, when we broke it, in chapter three is when God proclaimed it. This is how I fix it. Someone innocent will die. He will pour out his blood so you can be covered in what's called my righteousness. It's imputed righteousness. And we'll be right, we'll be right in relationship again. Right when it was broke, God said, here's the remedy. Guys, I think in Genesis chapter 3, do you see it? God with us? And God doing everything necessary that we could be with him? So we're just going to kind of scroll through scripture for just a second. You get to Joshua 1.9. Listen to what God says. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 7.14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means... God with us. So when God says, hey, what name do I like? Yeah, just call me God with us. I want to make sure you understand this. Genesis chapter 3, God with us. Joshua 1, God with us. Isaiah 7, when he takes on a name, God with us. You go to Matthew chapter 28, the last verse in in the whole book. He's like, here's this huge mission I'm calling you to. It is so beyond you. I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. Baptize them, teach them to obey all that i have commanded you. It's like, well, how can I do that? Right before that, he says, all the authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Guys, he has all the might, all the right. I'm thinking this. If someone dies, but before they die, they predict that they're going to come back from the dead three days later, and that person pulls it off. Yeah, you want to follow that boy. So what's he say at the end? When they're sitting there going, the whole world? Yeah, the whole world. Oh, by the way, you see me in all my scars? Because I think he kept them all. You see this? I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Genesis 3, God with us. Joshua 1, God with us. Isaiah 7, God with us. Matthew chapter 28, God with us. John chapter chapter, chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus shows up. That's God in a bod showing up to be with us. I said, how, how much more literal could it get than for Jesus, fully God, fully man, to show up? Then you get to Luke chapter 7. That was just the intro. It would be a long time. What are you going to do, fire me? So he's going to chapter 7, verse 4, verse 11. <laughs> Soon afterward, he, this is Jesus, went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And he drew near to the gate of the town. Behold, a man who had, who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. Now, here's the part that stood out to me. And this is a couple years ago when I first started preaching the message. There's a great crowd and his disciples with Jesus. And I'm, I, this is how I picture it. Because they're watching Jesus heal and do the miraculous, this crowd is full of hope. Even if they're going through something junky, they're with Jesus and they've seen him do the miraculous. Can you at least see that? Then you go to this side and there's this considerable crowd, this Widow has now lost her only son, which means that she is now left to beg unless somebody brings her into her, into their home. Full of hope. What's this sign? Despair, right? Hopelessness. Full of hope. Hopeless. Which crowd you in? Which one are you in? Now, here's the thing. Somebody said, go, man, this is where it said, Jesus and I are tighter than ever. And yet, welcome to the church community. Cause you'll have a bunch of you over here going, I don't know how much longer I can go, and this doesn't mean that you're not loved by Jesus, and I'll prove it. So, which crowd are you in? Like, just think through it. Maybe you come. Maybe you've come this morning, and you're broken, and you're going through so much junk. And if we sat down eye to eye, knee to knee, I would be shocked. But I'm telling you, there's a crowd of hope because they've seen Jesus do the miraculous personally. Just which crowd are you in? So it goes on, and when the Lord, there's verse 13, and when the Lord saw. Her. Isn't that beautiful? So what's the point? Two huge crowds. One's a great crowd. One's a considerable crowd. And Jesus sees her as the individual. In this crowd, he sees you as an individual. Formed together in your mama's womb by God. Bearing the image of God. Your values based upon who created you. He, he saw her. Now watch. He saw her. He had compassion on her. That's beautiful. You know why? Because maybe it's this. Realize you never see Joseph mentioned again after Jesus is 12. Remember his daddy, Joseph? Never see him mentioned again. When he's 30, never mentioned in his ministry. Mary's mentioned, but never Joseph. So I'm just convinced he just died somewhere between that. It might have been when he was younger or not, but I don't know. It was somewhere in that point. But wouldn't Jesus have compassion on this woman who just, well, she's a widow, And he remembers what Mary went through when she lost Joseph. And could it be that he has compassion on her because he knows that he's gonna take a cross and his mama's gonna have to watch him die. So is it possible that this Jesus that we worship, this Jesus that we follow, this Jesus that we would do anything that we can for, is it possible that this Jesus actually relates with us more than we think that he does? So when he looks upon us, he has compassion. Do you realize that Jesus is actually for you, not against you? Do you realize this, followers? I just say this in the last one, just to encourage you. Sit there. Do you ever sit there and go, "Am I going to make it? Like, do I get to still go to heaven?" Because this was jacked up. This was a bad one. <laughs> Jesus has never failed. He who began the good work in you will carry it to completion. That means if He's dragging me by my upper jaw across the finish line, <laughs> and He'll just drop me there. And I'll just say, oh, thank you. And what's he gonna say? My pleasure. He's like the perfect Chick-fil-A employee. <laughs> I'm glad that made sense. Okay, so we keep going. <laughs> when the Lord saw her he had compassion on her said to her, Do not weep. Does anybody else think that's rude? Can you imagine walking up to somebody who just lost their son, just walking up going, Don't cry does anybody else think that maybe Jesus should have been chopped in the throat? You will never admit this. It's like, oh, never. It's Jesus. Don't shoot me. I'm sorry. It's like we freak out because I think this is incredibly rude. If I don't have in my mind that Jesus is divine, if I don't have in my mind that Jesus is eternal, that Jesus has lived out this problem already. I think this is rude to tell someone not to cry when they've lost their kid, except for the fact that Jesus is God. So this isn't him saying, hey, buck up, stop being emotional, because he has compassion for her. He says, do not weep. Why? Because this is what he does. Then he came up and touched the buyer, and the bear stood still. And then he says, young man, I say to you, arise. I've never done that at a funeral. I've never walked up to the casket. Let's just make sure. Come on. No, he's done. That's, not, that's never happened. But Jesus like, don't cry. Then he goes over and he touches. He's like... Young man, I say to you, arise. You ever sit there and go, why did he say it that way? Young man, okay, he's young. I say to you. What, is he trying to be Shakespeare? I say to thee. <laughs> Except for maybe it's this. The one who spoke. The, the psalmist writes, I think it's in Psalm 33, verse 6, 8, somewhere around there. It says that God breathed out all the starry hosts. That means when God exhales, the sun pops out. Think about it, it's like, like we, we exhale people back up, right? God exhales, the sun pops out. The closest we can get to the exhale of God is 93 million miles. any any closer and we would be dead. So here comes Jesus going, I say to you, the one that placed the sun in the sky, the one that put the moon there, the one who placed all the stars throughout the universe, the one who just spoke these things into existence, I say to you. Woo, I don't think he just mumbled it. And I don't think it was monotone. I wonder if the universe shook because they knew the sound of its creator. I say to you, arise. What was everybody thinking until it happened? Now, this is freaky. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother, and fear seized them all. Rightfully so. Guys, can you imagine that happened and you're there? And I said, we sit there and go, I would just praise the Lord. I would just praise the Lord. I would do that after I woke up from fainting. After I changed my shorts and came back from the faint. Guys, think about it. I'm just like, this isn't normal. Have you ever thought it would be like to have the job, and maybe some of you guys had this job, to drive the hearse? Because in your mind, you're thinking, what if they wake up? (laughs) Can you imagine just driving and all of a sudden you hear like, hey, you just turn the stereo up. Isn't that how you fix your car? That's how I fix my car. Hey, I just heard a rattle. It's gone. I'm brilliant. Can you imagine you're driving the hearse and you're like, oh, and all of a sudden it opens and the person sits up and just starts to have a chat. Hey, so do you like your job? Not anymore <laughs> Everyone's terrified Why? Because this is not the norm Don't you want to live your day With the kind of day Where you actually are terrified Because Jesus does something That's not the norm Or, we've been, or, or, or have we become so comfortable With the fact that So long as I have my quiet time I'm good Now I want to be left in awe This side of heaven Because I know I'll be in awe of that side of heaven Goes on Jesus gave to to him the mother, verse 16. Fear sees them all, and they glorify God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us. It's like, oh, you almost got it. Theologically, you're not totally right. Isn't it great to know we're all in process? Any heretics in the room? (laughs) Nobody, huh? Mind's up, because I guarantee you I've got something wrong. I guarantee you that I'm not preaching some book correctly. I guarantee you when I stand before God one day, Habakkuk is going to come walk out. He's going to look at me and go, you are nowhere close. I don't know that junk you are preaching. That was horrible. Why don't you sit down? Guys, we're all heretics somewhere. We have something that's not totally right. We're all in process. We're all learning. So maybe we cut each other some slack as we all continue to love, love and learn with each other. Watch this. A, gr- a great prophet has risen among us. And watch this. This is where they get it. And God has visited his people. Do you see it? Genesis 3, God with us. Joshua 1, God with us. Isaiah 7, God with us. Matthew 28, God with us. John 1, God with us. Luke 7, God has visited his people, therefore God with us. Then we go to Revelation, and this is where we're like, yes, my favorite book. This is, I love to fight about this one. <laughs> Brian, what's your stance on the end times? I don't know. Jesus wins. Chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Do you ever wonder why John said, there's no more sea, as if he's excited? Like, there's no more ocean. And you guys don't know what that means, because you don't have any here. But, like, <laughs> we have lakes. It's not the same thing, okay? Okay. But he's like, there's no more sea. Okay, remember, where is he riding from? Isle of Patmos. And why is he there? Vacation or to die? He's left there alone to die. And the thing separating him from where life is, is what? The sea. So now John is sitting there going, there's no more sea. There's no more separation. There's life. Do you see it? He's so excited about this part. Now watch it. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, this is not the church, but this is the city that is actually creating for us, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. When you go to a wedding, not the one that Ron Merrill dances at, I don't know what the heck that was. That's like watching a puppet go. (laughs) When you go to weddings and when the bride, the doors open and you see the bride, everyone stands up, right? And you all face her. Who's the next person you look at? Groom, right? And most of you are sitting there going, oh, that boy better be crying because <laughs> she's looking so much better than he is right now. So this is kind of like my normal thing with the groom. When I'm doing the weddings, I'm usually in the room that we pray for him. The, the groomsmen—it's like the big time. Even if, the, even if, the, even if the groomers don't believe in prayer, every groomsman there is in it. They're praying, it's like, this is man time. And we're getting ready to go out the door and I do the same thing that my youth pastor said to me. Every groom, I try to remember to do this. My youth pastor, right before I walked out for our wedding, he goes, Hey, one more thing, man, wouldn't it stink if you went blind right before you saw her? And then he walked out and the whole time I'm like, God, please don't make that happen. Please don't make that happen. And I could see, I could still see, but I do that now I do that. Hey, wouldn't it stink if you went blind right before we went out there? And then we walk out and then they're standing and heartless. Okay. So here she comes. When she comes out, the door's open. I always scoot over and I pull him over. Why? Because it's really for each other. I guarantee she is not looking for this. And the fact that she laughs so hard makes you realize you understand that. Thank you. So they get to see each other. Guys, I have yet to see a groom who doesn't at least do this. <laughs> he gets a little quiver going. Tears starting to come. He's like, be strong, be strong. But that anticipation, is like we're finally here. All the wedding planning is done. Everything's work. It's here. And everyone's just coming, kind of like, this is great. And paparazzi's out. Everyone's got their phones. And you just can't wait for them to be together. That's the picture that Jesus desires for us to see. And watch this next part. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, loud. From the throne, that means God, God loud. Why would he get loud? Because I think he's excited. This is it. This is the culmination of everything. Behold, and watch it. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Do you see it? In one sentence, he repeats it. God with us that we might be with him. God with us that we might be with him. And what will he do? He will wipe Away every tear from their eyes. And shall and, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. In other words, he changes everything. God with us, that we might be with him. Genesis, Joshua, Isaiah, Matthew, John, Luke, Revelation, the story. The message is still the same, God with us, that we might be with him. And if God were still penning out the scriptures, it would be the exact same message to you and to me, where he'd be looking at saying, get it, God with us, that we might be with him. What a message to share to a world that so desperately needs it. Can I pray for us? Let me pray. Jesus again I'm humbled one that I get to teach your word we're not even worthy to untie your sandals and yet to try to explain you so Holy Spirit I pray that you would take my feeble effort and I thank you that you're meeting all of us right where we need to be met but I pray that you would cement this into our souls God with us that we might be with him Jesus thank you Father, thank you. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you're in us now, God with us, that we might be with him. God, in all that has happened this morning, and all that you'll continue to do, to you be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor, for you alone are worthy. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone who agrees says, Amen. amen. Love you all more than you know.